This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke on the HeadGum Podcast Network with Billy and Adam. This is the podcast where Billy and I discuss a theme, also loosely, and talk about our past, present, and future experience with it. Today's theme was Vegas. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome to the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustig. And we have done a couple more episodes. Yeah, since we've last done this, I suppose. Yes, we've talked about the wood swap. Oh, yeah, wood swap. Yep. Celebrating anniversaries. Yes. Yeah. That, that was Quick a- shout out, happy anniversary to Chris and Rebecca, our dear, dear friends. There you go. Okay. Yes, right at the gate. Yeah, it might have been their seven or eight year, which may be wood or maybe, uh, maybe like um, steel. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to talk about peer pressure. We started with wood swap. That's right. We had your parents on a very special bonus episode that on was, Tuesday. That was really, really fun. I just want to um, extend my gratitude to them for being so open and generous with their time and thoughts. And also, they uh, had the best time and have not been able to stop kvelling about how much they love our adorable faces. Kvelling. Kvelling. That's Yiddish for gushing with love, overflowing with affection. Is there a difference between kvelling and kvetching? Yeah, actually. They almost mean diametrically opposite things. Kvelling is, like I said, gushing with love kvetching is annoyingly complaining oh yeah interesting it's got the etch noise in it so it's kind of like an etch yiddish is a real language yeah that's a great question it is certainly a real language and i think it was like an amalgamation of like various eastern european languages german austrian whatever combined with some hebrew and it was like the jewish diaspora sort of in led to Yiddish, the sort of like weird Frankenstein of a language of all the Eastern European languages and some Hebrew. Is Yiddish objectively the funniest sounding language? Objectively. Can you give me some Yiddish phrases that might... Uh... Well, my mom dropped one in our last podcast uh, that was on my Nana's tombstone. It says, Zaya Mensch, be oh, a person. Yes. That was Yiddish. Mensch. That was lovely. That was very lovely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, mensch, Schlemiel, Schlemazel. <gasps> Okay, from uh, yes, Hoffman Pepper Incorporated. That was uh, Mary uh, Tyler Moore. Show? No, no, no. no. Uh, the two women. How can we forget their names? This is embarrassing for us. Our parents are going to be mad. The one with Penny Marshall, the like the most Laverne and Shirley. Yes, Wayne's World. My my remembrance of that was in Wayne's World. They had a montage where I don't remember what happened, but Wayne and Garth were like on their come up. <laughs> And they just, or maybe it was the end where it was like, let's do the Laverne and Shirley ending. That seems. But I just remember them in a laboratory with a glove on a bottle and they couldn't believe it as it went on the conveyor belt. Shlemiel. Shlemazel. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Yiddish is certainly a real, and there's actually a sort of a danger. A lot of old Jews feel like Yiddish is disappearing. And like, oh. as these old Jews die off, it's like the language is dying with Sounds them. Sounds like they're kvetching. <laughs> Very, very true. <laughs> yeah, they're kvetching about the sort of the slow and gradual demise of Yiddish. Um, and so there's like weird like Yiddish reclamation movement of like mm. young Jews are like, let's keep Yiddish alive. They sound like a cool group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should get some people from those uh, keep Yiddish alive uh, group on the podcast. Speaking of your parents. Yes. We've received some love from that episode. Have um, we already? Yes. Somebody tweeted at us. Are you worried that we as fans will leave your podcast for Adam's Adorable Parents podcast? Serious question. Whoa. So, Adam, are we worried? 
Well, I'm not so worried, mainly because my parents lack the technological know-how to incite a podcast. It can't happen. It can't happen. Not with just the two of them. They're going to need someone like Christmas Stats or someone that's going to be here and sort of engineer that podcast. But the sentiment is very sweet, and they will be very flattered to hear that. But maybe they should sort a podcast. But we we will not fear something that will not happen. With all due respect, and I hate to be like a Hollywood shark, we'll crush their podcast in the ratings. Good luck. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Okay. Okay. Good luck, mom and dad. Okay. Good luck. We also received a little bit uh, other love. We've been, so we've been steadfast in saying we want interactions. We really do. We want to communicate with the people. And I think our begging is starting to pay off. Yes. In trickles. Great. The the interactions are trickling in. (laughs) We'll take a trick, drip by drip. On Twitter. Yeah. No joke pod. Great. We received some love. Cool. And also a request. A request? Yes. So... Someone said, we love your podcast. Thank you. But we're having a hard time distinguishing when Billy is talking and when Adam is talking. No kidding. Our voice is starting to blend. They said that we're so in sync that they don't know who is saying what and what one another feels. Wow. So their suggestion and request was that we incorporate a ding sound for when someone's talking and a horn sound. Oh, this is genius. So I'm wondering if that sprinkled in throughout the episode and the rest of the series, we just say... Hey, this is Billy Ding Ding. Hey, this is Adam Hong Kong. And just see where that goes. That could be nice. It sounds like a silly suggestion, but I like what that offers. I feel like you and I have, we've talked about how we think with the same brain, but I suppose we also speak with the same voice. We are kind of in tune with one another to a degree that's almost not helpful. Now it's problematic. Right. It's become problematic how, how good of friends we are. Right. This has just become not a dialogue, but just one kind of monologue exactly. we're one schizophrenic human who hosts a podcast and that was adam honk honk and that was billy ding ding Great. and i suppose introducing the other person's sound effect that might have been doubly confusing so, so but, back to square one <laughs> back but to square zero in using the words ding ding as an easy segue yeah today's episode wraps around Las vegas, vegas. Ding, 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 honk, 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 roulette, roulette, cherries, cherries, cherries. Jackpot. Exactly. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Vegas obviously comes with a ton of connotations. Yeah, it sure does. Big parties, big everything, everything yeah. in huge. But to me, my first, when I think of Vegas, mm-hmm. I think about a time that you went and you took a picture in front of the biggest something that you saw in Vegas. And... We could talk about the big shows, but what big thing did you see when you went there once? I found the world's biggest pair of underpants, and I took a photograph, which has been my Facebook profile picture since the beginning of my Facebook relationship, uh, and uh, it, is, it was in the hanging in the window of one of those sort of tchotchke shops, and it said, and look, you can't believe everything you read in the windows of tchotchke shops, but I chose to believe uh, the gold-plated sign that indicated that it was the world's largest pair of underpants. There's a lot of pizza places in New York City that claim to be the best pizza in New York City, the best pizza in the world. Exactly. But you saw the pair of underpants. They looked huge. 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 Now, to me, the world's biggest pair of underpants would kind of be like one of those flags that they bring out for the Super Bowl that stretch from end zone to end zone. <laughs> oh, my God. How like, far on a traditional football field do you think that this, these, this pair of underpants would stretch? I would say goal line to the two-and-a-half-yard line at most. So we're talking about a seven-foot pair of underpants? Seven-foot, what, that feels, right, even that feels a little bit generous. Um, I'd have to sort of recalculate, but my instinct is to say six to seven feet wide. 
Uh, and whose waste is that? I mean, that is obscene. That would be obscene mm-hmm. in the first place. But like you're saying, when you and I think of we, you know, you and I, when we think of the world's biggest, we want it to be truly catastrophically huge. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening at home and you own or have seen or have taken a picture of underpants bigger than, let's call it, four feet in yeah. width, please send that picture send it over. to nojokepod at gmail.com. Send it over because just because they said it was the world's biggest doesn't make it true. Vegas is full of liars. We want to see your underpants. We want to see your big underpants. You've been to Vegas how many times? Uh, I would say probably, if I had to guess, like four to seven I would say something like that. Not a ton. But as a 32-year-old male, that yep. seems like a American male. I'm American. That seems like – four seems like almost the amount of times that you should have gone to Vegas That seems appropriate, now. right? What has brought you to Vegas on your various trips? Because well, you don't work in an uh, industry that has conferences that would bring you to Vegas. Not at all. I'm not in the adult film industry or any other boring industry where they go to Vegas because that is their release for the year. Right. But to confirm, you are not in the adult film industry. Absolutely not. I am an adult and I'm in the film industry, but I'm not in the adult film industry. Interesting. Uh, so the I would think the first time I went to Vegas was actually on that road trip that we have uh, the aforementioned Ford Focus Rally with our dear friend Clayton that we have brought up on this podcast uh we were sort of passing through and on that time we had to not got to we had to Mm. jump off the stratosphere hotel there's like that big ride you go up to the top of the stratosphere and you bungee jump off of it you had to bungee jump quite literally had to and that was in vegas so that was my first time in las vegas that seems to me like the emotional kind of adventure that comes with vegas whether you're literally jumping off a building i feel like you have to go in with the potential that at some point in my trip to Vegas, I'm going to feel like I'm falling off a building. I'm emotionally falling off a but emotional free fall. Right. Absolutely. I wonder which is actually worse, an emotional free fall <laughs> or you having to go to a literal top of a 400-foot building and just free fall just off of that. Just free fall off of it. I'm going to say the emotional free fall is far, 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 far worse mm. uh, because this was actually over in just two seconds. But as, as we know, emotional free falls, this can last lifetimes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you could go to Vegas. I mean, that's what is so sort of, I mean, we'll get into this, but that's sort of scary and spooky and potentially volatile about Vegas to me is that you're seeing all these people from all these various walks of life in various states of of like duress or euphoria. It feels very, very, I mean, when you're playing with people's money and their livelihoods and their gambling and everything right. is really rife and there's a tension there because people could lose their shirt or win a brand new shirt. Right. So it's like all that sort of potential tension is like sort of hangs over the entire city to me right. in a way that is like... A little uncomfortable, but also obviously so fun. Does it feel transient? All right. So full disclosure, I've never been, and we'll get into that. I'm the same age as you, and you've gone so many more times than I have. I just find that hard to believe. I was raised with a group of guys that go to Vegas, do Vegas, bachelor parties in Vegas, any excuse to just go to Vegas. Somehow, I've always been a little to the side of it. Uh Growing up in New York, I went to Atlantic City from time to time, but I was never a compulsive gambler. I just didn't need those big things. You, you've been to Vegas a bunch. Handful. Does it feel transient? Because my complaint about Atlantic City would be that the people who you see in those casinos feel like they're there seven days a week. Oh, baby. And you know those people, those old ladies and men who have that card that's like elastic to their waist and it just goes into the uh, slot machine? It's brutal. It's like an umbilical cord. God, it's brutal to me. And that is always this, that makes me want to leave Atlantic City, just seeing that whiff of death. But Vegas seems like it's kind of clean and transient or that people are in and out. Is that true? I find it to be that Atlantic City whiff of death times a thousand. Oh! 
I find it to the Vegas to be just like a huge smokestack of death in that way because <laughs> um, I mean I guess that Atlantic City there's like because Vegas is more of like Vegas is like sort of the or place for gambling it's like the alpha city when it comes to like decadence and gambling right and Atlantic City is like it's like sort of weird grubby Jersey younger cousin that's like maybe a little bit grimy or like there's the boardwalk and the beach element cigarettes to it. everywhere heroin needles just like lining the beach and like there's a bit like it's also scummy but like in a different way mm-hmm. um, but in Vegas too I mean that's I was I was thoroughly freaked out by the exact same thing seeing these like old ladies just like ripping chain smoking cigarettes mm. pl- literally plugged in via elastic cord like you're saying can you smoke machine. cigarettes inside casinos in vegas you must i feel like it's you must oh my gosh <laughs> that feels so like antiquated to me so 1960s i feel like our generation we're both in our early 30s was the last generation to go to bars for like the first couple of years and then leave and take showers the next day and your hair reeked like smoke reeked of smoke do you remember that yes dude back what my my era of having hair coincided with the era of being able to smoke in bars yeah now i no longer have hair you can't smoke in bars it's a win-win that made the hangover so much worse because not only did you have the headache of all of your bad decisions but then to have to smell your bad decisions the next morning and you know what they say the sense of smell is the sense most uh linked to memory really yeah yeah, the sense of smell is like the thing that, and again, this is what I'm about to say is pseudoscientific bullshit. I don't know what I'm saying, but, but this happens to be true. The sense of smell, I think it's because, I mean, like whatever sort of synapses that it's connected to in your brain or, um, you know, how that sort of your sense of smell relates to your brain, it's very, very related to memory. Yes. So to your point, it does make a hangover way worse. Right. And you can't get the stink of Vegas off you for days, I feel like. You you leave smelling like cigarette smoke and old sad women. But the Instagram pictures have me believing that everyone's just <laughs> chilling by the pool and everyone just has big muscles and tattoos and fake boobs. Is that just – are those, do those lives bleed over? Is it a – because there's the whiff of death. But there's also the young and sexy. Exactly. And to me, they're kind of two sides of the same coin, to be honest with you. It's well, a, I mean, like, what? you're so. Right. I mean, to me, it's just like the muscly dudes and like the weird, like, like women who live there and are like cocktail waitresses, but like also strippers. And like that is re- that is related to me. That is not dissimilar to old blue hairs plugged into the slot machines. Right. Like it's a lot like it's a like they're in a hospital and they're right. plugged into their life machine. To me, those two things are like very closely cousined yes um there's no second act it's yeah. almost as if you can go from one to the next almost without knowing yeah, yeah. i mean yeah vegas is I, I mean i just find i've never been a, i know you and i aren't really gambling gamblers right. really our vice is not money that's not yeah that's not really that doesn't really like float my boat all that sort of significantly but i do like going there and when we've been to uh casino because we haven't been to vegas you haven't know you haven't been to vegas but we've been to morongo hotel and casino Come on. we've been to atlantic city together so we've been in that casino atmosphere yes um with our close friends some of whom are gambling inclined and many of whom are not but it is fun to sort of like you, you get you get it Like you win one hand of blackjack, the endorphins go rushing to your brain, like the serotonin pops off in your mind. Right. And you're like, oh, I understand this primal urge to uh, take chances. Yes. It's about chance. That's what happened. The first time we went to Atlantic City, didn't you just walk (laughs) into the first casino and just scream at the top of your lungs, chance. Chance. (laughs) This is all chance. Recognize. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty great. I mean, like, there's elements of it that are really fun. So, yeah, my first time in Vegas was jumping off a building. Right. Um, I also have been to Vegas um, where I was – well, you and I both worked for this weird sports website, and I had to go there to, like, arrange this hidden camera prank with the Pouncey brothers. Right. The Offensive NFL. linemen from the NFL. That's right. 
Uh, and that is its own sort of fun saga because that uh, ended up going um, not exactly as we planned uh, and ended up with me and the Pounceys just chilling in this weird hotel room where I then had to uh, arrange for like a 400-pound woman uh, to come up to the room and give one of them a lap dance. Uh, a woman then came up and had a huge python uh, and <laughs> came into the room and like freaked the Pouncey brothers out with this massive python. Um, so in Vegas, it feels like anything is at your fingertips, but like not the things you would want, anything that you wouldn't want. The is most at your troubling thing that I just heard was that you had to arrange for that woman. Exactly. I don't care that she had a Python or that she was 400 pounds. I'll accept those as being normal. The fact that you, Adam Lustig, were in yeah. Vegas arranging for other humans is just, it illuminates my biggest fear about Vegas. And yes. that is nothing normal happens in vegas dead on right Billy. and if you just need a couple hours of normalcy like i tend to need vegas may not have that option opposite they have the opposite so that's a nightmare that's a sweet sweet nightmare but yeah. that doesn't mean that we haven't written songs about music it may not be our vice but that doesn't mean that we haven't faked it that's right and we you said written songs about music you mean written songs about money. money yes that's Excuse right me. that's right that's yeah. right because yeah. we have uh, written a song that we're going to play right now a couple songs yeah yeah we um we haven't shouted this girl out yet, but she is featured on so many of our tracks. Her name is Chloe Wepper. Big ups, Chloe. I mean, she is the third party of Snakes. Absolutely. Fourth, if you include Mike Perkillo, our DJ. Definitely include him. Um, she is on this track, much like she was on Top Dollar, My Dad's a Proctologist. Phenomenally talented vocalist and actress and comedian. This song is called I Got a Dollar. She's on the hook. She sings the bridge. Why don't you enjoy that song? Thank you. Hey, 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 I got a dollar. 
to no joke that was i got a dollar um by billy and i featuring our wonderful vocalist chloe Weber. that's right that's actually billy and i know maybe i say this a lot and i don't mean to sound self-congratulatory but that is another one of my absolute favorite of our of our songs that was one of the songs that rich royce didn't produce for us it was like maybe the only one we had done enough vaguely popular web rap songs right that dj started emailing us beats and saying do you want to do something with this and that is a good place to find yourself Ooh, as a comedy rapper. Amazing. <laughs> when people more talented and actually musically talented are giving you their actual good music right. for you to rap about Rob Dibble over it, that's a good place to be in. Right. It's a really good place At to be. At one point, you said, I got a White House like Sasha and Malia. Pocket full of coins, all sack of Drop the mic, walk off stage, <laughs> concert's over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Pocket was... full of coins, all sack of <laughs> I think that was in the heyday of our, of course, New York City subway riding life. Yes. And it was always a treat when you would go to the subway machines and when it would dispense change, all those dollars were coming out Sacagawea. I agree. All of them. And that was a real treat. Chloe also dropped the Lauren Hill kind of, I'm not even going to try and do it again. But yeah. I mean, we just found any opportunity to squeeze in <laughs> to our bite. favorite hip hop references. Exactly. Oh man, what a fun song! Yeah, that beat really is like a head knocker. I feel like yes. that was like that beat is just like there's something about the thumping bass in that that really is kind of right on the money. Right to me, that yeah. is a good opportunity for us to remind you guys that what we want to do with the second slot in this show, mm-hmm. the second act break in the show, mm-hmm. is to feature your music. Or to feature something that you've done. Yeah. So if you do have something that you're proud of and you want might want to get on the show, email NoJokePod. Please do. Or tweet it at NoJokePod. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will be the easiest way of getting you on the show. We would love to feature the musical stylings of our listeners, of our fans, of my parents, right. of other rapper friends that we know. That's right. Of other non-rapper friends that we know. Whether we met you or not. 
email nojokepod at gmail.com. We like music. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, yeah. we've also received um, a couple of emails okay. that I would like to share. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, we will start with the l- less funny one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the less funny one. Set the bar low. Yeah. Well, yep. no, it's, it's, it's less funny, but for good reasons, Great. I think. I think when we started to do this show, we just knew that it would be a fun opportunity for us to get together and record some stuff. I'm having a blast right now. What I didn't necessarily suspect, but has kind of happened, is that people want our advice. For whatever reason, we have done enough good um, in the creative realm that people are curious how we did it. And I think that's actually a really cool opportunity for us to be sincere and to answer this one person's question, and then hopefully that will answer other people's Absolutely. questions yes. and encourage other people to, if they have a question that they think we can answer, to do so. We are more than willing to dispense whatever minor gems of wisdom that we have possessed. So we won't use the person's name, Great. but we will hear their question. Great. Cool. So we were asked, I'm loving the podcast. I could use some help though. I admire Envy, all the things you guys create, comedy, improv, music. I've recently been having this extreme internal desire to create and be passionate about my own creation. Mm-hmm. My issue is I don't know what to do or how. Podcasts or videos seem fun, but I lack ideas. Just looking for some expert advice. Cool. So we wrote back an email. Um, Let's read that email, and then why don't you add on to it? Great. Here's what we said. While there isn't a roadmap to a fulfilling creative life, there are little things that you can do to get it started. First, don't be afraid to fail. Making anything at all takes bravery, and with each next endeavor, small or large, you will learn about yourself and what you like about the craft. Comedy, music, whatever. Secondly... Surround yourself with people who support you and make you feel creative. There's no limit to how much you can gain from being around people who make you feel excited and happy. Focus on them and ditch the people who bring you down. Creativity is at its most fulfilling when you're in a healthy headspace. Do not, under any circumstance, allow self-doubt or outside forces to stop you from exploring what you're capable of. The hardest part is usually getting it started. Our advice, go for it and enjoy the ride. Never give up. Billy and Adam. Lovely. Absolutely. I I <clears throat> couldn't agree with us more. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that's really well said. I love the, the sort of the first point that you kind of made in that email, which I really respond to and resonates very profoundly with me is not being afraid to fail. Yes. I would almost say enjoy, that's the best part. Enjoy, I would say lean into the failure and like trying and failing is the best. It's, I, I completely agree. It's the delicious discomfort of any life in the arts. Like it's going to feel so – it almost never – gets less uncomfortable it's always there's a beautiful tension and if you're always looking i think that one of my favorite things about being when we were at our most and are at our most creative is that we're always just looking forward we did that and now we can just let that exist on its been been made place and just keep moving forward exactly he's talking about how do i capitalize on being creative how do Mm -hmm. i be creative in the first place how do i be passionate it just comes from trying, mm-hmm. just trying. Yeah, but that, and again, I completely empathize with the fact that it's, and it's not as easy as that. It's not like just, it, it does, of course, come from just trying, but I get that there are so many mental and emotional roadblocks to shedding self-consciousness and yes. just trying. It's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. It truly is hard, and it does require bravery, as we said, and uh, it requires fearlessness and a little bit of shamelessness because this is what uh, I think I'm trying to say is that like the failure and, you know, I started doing these weird stand-up comedy open mics. You know, we did sketch and improv for years and years, and I just, like, kind of leapt into it just out of curiosity. Right. Out of a sort of, I don't know how we phrase it, extreme, intense passion to sort of create something. Um, and it's it goes so badly so much of the time. Right. But it, it, it goes badly with your friends. Right. Then it's fine. That's right. 
It's fun to succeed together. And it's hilarious to fail oh, together. Oh, God, it's almost better. Yeah. It's almost better. And coming from two guys who have failed so many more <laughs> times than we've succeeded, <laughs> trust me, the better stories come from stories of failure. Exactly. Um, the second email we received... Mm -hmm. Comes from Voorheesville, New York. Atta boy. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Jake Lustick, your younger brother, who yes. was referenced many times on the parenting episode. What's up, Jake? Um, he was listening to the internet episode with Shelby Farrow, cool. where we discussed replacing um, or downloading wave files from Tommy, Tommy Boy. Boy. That's right. One of your childhood pastimes. That's right. Yes. But apparently, also one of your childhood pastimes. That's right. Jake sort of submitted this email, which uh, jogged a memory for me, actually. Yeah. Do yeah. you? Um, all right. So I'll just read his email. Take it away. Because uh, I think it hits. Very cleanly. When Billy was talking about downloading WAV files of Tommy Boy, it reminded me of a period in our childhood when we had Windows 98 set up so that a WAV clip of a Seinfeld quote played whenever you did anything. That's right. For example, and again, this is Adam's brother, Jake. For example, hit the start button. I was in the pool. I was in the pool. X out of the window. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> To think back on the amount of time and effort it took to download those and set them as our default sounds makes me ashamed and proud. Adam, do you remember this? <laughs> I, I literally had not until Jake sent that email. And now I vividly remember we had one desktop computer downstairs in our house. Yep. And Jake and I spent way too much time way too much time like figuring out the software downloading the wave files making it happen like coordinating whatever seinfeld quote it was going to be with whatever function on the computer it was going to correlate with anytime i had a new friend sign on to aim it would say were you calling from a walkie talkie <laughs> were you calling from a walkie talkie forgive me my cultural ignorance i cannot place that reference that right is now. david spade um complaining to chris farley saying that he didn't receive his phone call were you calling from a walkie talkie i think chris farley dropped in a niner and that <laughs> that <Perfect>. proceeded <laughs> david spade to ask about <laughs> a walkie talkie, a walkie -talkie. <laughs> yeah that was really time consuming yes yes and amazing so keep those emails coming in please do and jake actually a, a, sort of a segue that jake is someone that is vegas inclined mm. speaking of my brother and speaking of las vegas my brother jake is super into fantasy football played played a lot of online poker i don't think he does it as much anymore um, he has also never been to Vegas. I think he'll correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's been to Atlantic City, but he would be someone that would love Las Vegas. Really? Um, for the 48 hours that a normal grounded human being would love Las Vegas. Tell me the type of person that you're talking about when you say w blank would love Las Vegas. Cause I don't feel naturally inclined and let's just get there. You're leaving to Las Vegas t tomorrow. Yeah. Which, when this podcast comes out, will have been two days ago. That's right. I'm leaving on the day that this podcast comes out. So we are heading to Vegas. That's right. Hence, this being the theme of the episode. It's sort of in our head. Right. Yeah. What do I mean when I say the kind of person that would enjoy Las Vegas? I mean, I'm I could guess, but you tell me the actual one, and then I'll tell you what I'm guessing. Okay. I guess I mean just mean on a surface level, I mean, he just loves poker. I mean, for, I know that's like very I on see. the surface, but he loves playing poker and he's good at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I never got in. I never really got into that. I mean, where you were sort of you got kind of like pokered. I got swept into. <laughs> I was pokered. Yeah. <laughs> when the country was pokered by ESPN. Exactly. When ESPN said you will now 
be poker. That was a game changer, man. It that... was so cheap. It, it was apparently very cheap to shoot poker. And sports fans love competition. That's amazing. And we love results. And like the other beauty about that is, it's like those are not athletes, my friend. Right. Those are twenty-one-year-old deep dorks who put those... stickers that say "full tilt" on the side of their hats like maniacs and wear their sunglasses upside down. So it's like the it's it, there was something high so... on Dr Pepper. <laughs> there, there was something so relatable about turning on ESPN and seeing a not athlete that used to be the role of the baseball player and golfer exactly. where it was just like hey fatso get this athlete's check exactly now fatso went to vegas and is the new athlete seriously and you know esports is a thing are you familiar with esports not sure that i am so imagine the fun that you and your friends have playing madden great so much fun imagine the four to eight best madden players in the world playing against one another in an arena with thousands of people watching so cool new new athletes they can they're allowed to be fat athletes they're, they are they fat. can be fat athletes <laughs> they are fat athletes right and not the fat head posters and stickers that you would get of ben roethlisberger but no well, we mean fat athletes fat, fat, fat athletes. athletes yes that's right um, so yeah the, the country did and that was like that was in our high school ish era right? right where like that became a thing televised poker tournaments right yeah and i really think that did elevate the profile of poker and made it like super sexy for kid for kids exactly my brother's age right who were like in junior high ish at the time and all of a sudden like you said it was just like poker was so in the mainstream right and i think jake sort of got sort of was swept up in that craze so gambling is still the preeminent thing to do in vegas because you yeah. can go see britney spears get a good steak pen and teller I get it. You're there to gamble. Yes, you're there to take chance. Right. I would say the other thing, the other, I mean, you say a delicious steak, and the other thing that is really sort of worth, I think makes Vegas worthwhile, are the buffets. Go on, Billy. The hotel buffets, like, are the antidote for the sleazy, disgusting blue hairs, like, plugged into their life machines. Just hundreds of ribeyes stacked on top of each other. And they're all so good. Right. And it's like, once you're in Vegas, like, the skate, you're, you're, it's so funny how your, your sense of taste and propriety immediately gets warped within five minutes what's sort of quote-unquote classy. Oh. Completely gets warped. And all of a sudden you're walking. Define Vegas classy for me. Like the Wynn Hotel and Casino. Yes. Which uh, a couple of us have been to is like, quote-unquote, one of the higher-end classier hotels and casinos on this trip. For those of you at home, Adam is throwing quotes all over the air. High-end. Classy. I mean, and it certainly is high-end, I suppose, in that it's very expensive and there's like a aggressive amount of chandeliers <laughs> <laughs> but you just have to like take a step back and you're like well in the scope of like t like aesthetic taste worldwide this is all so garish <laughs> and so ostentatious <laughs> and so offensive to my so belly. american <laughs> oh my god so, so american but you're like wow the wind like relative to like the mgm grand or relative to like uh, i don't know like one of the other cheese ball hotels on the strip you're like right. like new york new york or whatever like the luxor you like because you know all you do, you walk the strip, you dip into the to various hotels and casinos, you check out like sort of the ostentatious light fixtures that are in the lobbies. You walk around, you hit the buffets. So, and then you get to the wind. You're like, oh, this is the nice one. This more air the, quotes. More, more air quotes. Yeah. And it's just like draped in red velvet. Uh, like I said, aggressive chandeliers. Right. Huge Jeff Koontz, uh, those balloon pieces that are there. So like right. it, your sense of taste gets warped in two seconds flat. Uh-huh. Um, I'm very curious about how I'm going to react me to too. Vegas. Because hearing all these things, 
guys like you and I hated going to the mall, hated going to Bed Bath and Beyond. Still, hate and it. to me, that's already just too much. As soon as I walk in, I'm like, everyone needs to chill out. Bed Bath and Beyond overload. needs to chill out with all of these smells. Exactly. Way too many candles. Exactly. The mall. It's like Auntie Anne's. I love you. Just turn it. Turn it down, down Auntie Anne. Roosevelt Field. Everyone relax. Okay. So. I don't know how I'm going to react to Vegas. Yeah, it's commerce overload. I mean, it is there to be. It is a commercial hub. There is. It is a cultural vacuum. That is a little harsh because, I mean, we should say that we also have some friends there that do really cool artistic things. Our friend Matt is there and he does improv in Vegas and he's like plugged into that, like the Vegas improv world. And right. he's one of the funniest, like sort of smartest, most refined people sure. that we know. Um, so there, I think there probably is some pockets of culture in Las Vegas, but overwhelmingly it is garish. Because if you live there, I imagine that at some point you have to say, I'm a person. I Still can't a person. just be a Vegas person. Like exactly. I can't live the three-day weekend Vegas life for 365 days a year. Exactly. So these guys obviously find things that will make them feel normal. That's so hilarious. I'm a person. I'm not just a Vegas person. <laughs> it's like – you be need, real. You need to maintain your humanity there. Like I said, it's like it just feels like everything becomes warped. First of all, you know, just like any casino, and this is like common knowledge that no windows, no clocks, they pump air in there. So you think you're – it's always like high noon and you're always like full of energy, piss and vinegar, right. ready to give them your money. So it, the whole thing is a large a manipulated sort of – it's a scam of a city. Right. But that's – that's, that's what you signed up that's for. Signed up that's for. exactly what you want. That they're transparently trying Escapism, to... right? Exactly. Escape. It's like why we watch sitcoms because, or whatever, just any sort of television because it's just a, an escape from the reality of today and 361 days of the year. <laughs> exactly. And so just like escapism. Exactly. I'm going to just go to this adult playland. See the biggest underpants I can. Right. And get out. <laughs> it's like just the fact that they are putting the biggest underpants so on display that is in very indicative like you said before of las vegas right. las vegas is a, a city that is a big pair of underpants i still think that there's a bigger pan bigger pair of underpants out there send us your photos gang texas where are you at there's <laughs> definitely a bar that hangs underpants over it that has a pair of novelty underpants that will knock the underpants's socks off we need something that's pinned to one wall of the bar and that ends on the other wall of the bar we need something that is fully transcontinental we want to cover dallas cowboy stadium with a pair of underoos. That is what this podcast is about. That's the end game. We've taken risks on the podcast. Sure have. We've uh, said things that we've maybe never said before or just decided to share whatever. Yeah. Do we take the risk? We once made a rap song all about economics. <laughs> we were hired to be dead economists. Yep. And we could talk about the process later. Sure. But do we take the risk and play a rap song that 99% of our audience will not understand and will be frustrated by all the jargon i say we take that risk all right well uh we want to play the first one i guess we should play the first let's one. let's play the first where one. it all started do we want to sort of give any context or maybe afterwards let's for... do it afterwards okay great so the name of the song is fear the boom and bust fear the boom and bust by econ stories featuring billy and adam enjoy john maynard keynes f.a hayek yeah, yeah, we're opposed. We oppose each other philosophically in the same studio. We've been going back and forth for a century. I want to steer markets. I want them set free. There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it. Play what interest rates. It's the animal spirits. John Maynard Keynes wrote the book on modern macro. The man you need when the economy's off track. Depression, recession, now your question's in session. Have a seat and I'll school you in one simple lesson. 
1929, the big crash. We didn't bounce back, economies in the trash. Persistent unemployment, the result of sticky wages. Waiting for recovery, that's outrageous. I had a real plan, any fool can understand. The advice, real simple, boost aggregate demand. C-I-G, all together gets to Y. Keep that total grow and watch the economy fly. We've been going back and forth for a century. I want to steer markets. I want them set free. There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it. Play more interest no, rates. It's the animal spirit. You see, it's all about spending. Hear the register cha-ching. Circular flow. The dough is everything. So if that flow is getting low, doesn't matter the reason. We need more government spending. Now it's stimulus season. So forget about saving. Get it straight out of your head. Like I said, in the long run, we're all dead. Savings is destruction. That's the paradox of thrift. Don't keep money in your pocket or that growth will never live. Because business is driven by the animal spirits. The bull and the bear. And there's reasons to fear its effects on capital. Investment, income, and growth. That's why the state should fill the gap with stimulus, both the monetary and the fiscal. They're equally correct. Public works, digging ditches, war has the same effect. Even a broken window helps the glass man have some wealth. The multiplier driving higher the economy's health. And if the central bank's interest rate policy tanks, a liquidity trap, that new money stuck in the banks. Deficits could be the cure you've been looking for. Let the spending soar now that you know the score. My general theory's made quite an impression. Revolution. I transformed the econ profession. You know me, modesty. Still, I'm taking a bow. So say it loud and say it proud. We're all Keynesians now. We've been going back and forth for a century. I want to steer markets. I want them set free. There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it. I've made my case, Freddie H. Listen up, can you hear it? I'll begin in broad strokes, just like my friend Keynes. His theory conceals the mechanics of change. That simple equation, too much aggregation. Ignores human action and motivation Yet it continues as a justification For bailouts, payoffs, by polls with machinations You provide them with cover to sell us a free lunch Then all that we're left with is debt and a bunch If you're living high on that cheap credit hog Don't look for a cure from the hair of the dog Real savings come first if you want to invest The market coordinates time with interest Your focus on spending is pushing on thread In the long run, my friend, it's your theory that's dead So sorry there, buddy, if that sounds like invective Prepare to get schooled in my Austrian perspective We've been going back and forth for a century I want to steer markets I want them set free There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it Play more interest rates It's the animal spirit The place you should study isn't the bust It's the boom that should make you feel leery That's the thrust of my theory The capital structure is key Malinvestments wreck the economy The boom gets started with an expansion of credit The Fed sets rates low Are you starting to get it? That new money is confused for real loanable funds But it's just inflation that's driving the ones Who invest in new projects like housing construction The boom plants the seeds for its future destruction The savings aren't real, consumption's up too And the grasping for resources reveals there's too few So the boom turns to bust as the interest rates rise For the cost of production, price signals relies The boom was a binge, that's a matter of fact Now it's devalued capital that makes up a slack Whether it's the late 20s or 2005 Booming bad investments seems like they'd thrive You must save to invest, don't use the printing press Or a bus will surely follow, an economy depressed Your so-called stimulus will make things worse Just more of the same, more incentives perverse And that credit crunch ain't a liquidity trap Just a broke banking system, I'm done, that's a wrap We've been going back and forth for a century I want to steer markets I want them set free 
There's a boom and bust cycle and good reason to fear it. Play while winter strikes. Nah, it's the animal spirits. That was Fear the Boom and Bust, a right. rap song all about economics. Right. That Billy and I were hired uh, by our dear friend John Popola, who wrote this brilliant song, who is an econ, and he wouldn't be opposed to me saying this, nerd. Yes. Or aficionado, let's say, expert. Uh, he wrote this song where we portrayed two news to us, famous economists, Frederick Hayek, who's maybe Austrian, and John Maynard Keynes, who I think might have been British. That's me, John Maynard Keynes. And I was Hayek. Right. We both wore some pretty aggressive fake mustaches in the music video for uh, for this rap song. Yes, this guy, John Popola, wrote this song, or at least came up with the uh, inspiration to want to talk about economics. He was a producer at Spike. That's right. And the recession happened, Mm -hmm. and he was just kind of too mad to not do his research exactly became so impassioned with economics that long story short yada 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 me and adam are wearing aggressive mustaches in a rap song about economics that now has close to six million views online needless to say or maybe it's not needless to say i'll still say it billy and i know nothing about economics and even though as you just heard we were rapping all the terms all the jargon yes billy it's it, it was as though we were rapping in a different language that's right it's like we were learning a different language and had to rap in that alien language you know we once recorded ourselves seeing if we were off book if we knew all the words uh, to that song. That's right. Before our like big shoot day where we had to like definitely be off book stone cold and like do this proper. And it's about 90 seconds of me and you just dying, laughing, like nervous and scared. And we don't, what are we doing? Tears here? streaming down my face. I was, we were so, not even in over our heads because it was like, it was fun and fine and we knew that we could do it, but it was just the juxtaposition with the confidence and authority with which we were wrapping these terms right. and the abject lack of true knowledge about oh. them was hysterical. Derek. It was Oz. It was all a charade. <laughs> That's right. Um, that, that video came out right around the same time that Boys Will Be Girls came out for Harvard Sailing Team. And you and I would be on the subway in New York City. And you could kind of feel eyes on you. And if the eyes were looking at you like, I know that guy from something, and they were younger than 30, they knew us from Boys Will Be Girls. Definitely. If they were older than 45, Keynes and Hayek. Exactly. If we're anywhere near the financial district, right. it was Keynes and Hayek. And it makes sense that we talk about that song on this episode about Vegas, because one of the last times we heard from John and Josh, his partner, yes. his creative partner, yes. um, years ago was about maybe doing a third installment, and it was going to be in Vegas. Was it? Oh, that's right. Do you remember yes. getting that email? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't want to... Still might happen. Still, Still might happen. happen. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, with those guys, anything's possible. Yeah. we. The song became so popular. And again, shout out John Popola. It got like weird NPR pickup and was like on all the news things and Bloomberg and Fox Business and all that, yada, yada. And it got to the point where we went to an economics conference, a handful of economics conferences, right. one in Austin, one in D.C. One in New York. One in New York. And uh, Billy and I were these almost de facto mascots for these weird economists well yeah you had to it was kind of like if you are a mascot at a baseball game or if you were a mickey mouse once you go into the public in your costume you cannot break a character you are no longer billy and adam you're mickey and donald (laughs) you're canes and Hayek. Hayek, exactly and so they would put on these suits and do our hair like these guys and give us once the mustache was on that was basically superman's cape fully transformative and we would walk out to these conferences with hundreds of men and women 
and we work Hanes and Hayek now. And these like adults, these like middle-aged adults with lives and careers and children's, uh, children and mortgages, they would treat us like we were Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. I think that even in our contracts, there was like two hours carved out for photo sessions with these adults to like a meet and greet basically with Keynes and Hayek. But we were Billy and Adam. Billy and Adam the whole time. We don't know what any of you were talking about. I remember a particularly old gentleman actually like went up to you and said, I was friends with you. Yeah. He thought I, he, I think he maybe thought I was Frederick Hayek, the actual dead economist. I mean, some people who disagreed with, air quotes, my economic principles were like, I want to put you in a headlock. And I was like, all right, put me in a headlock. Exactly. Like the song, I don't know if you could glean this from the song, but like I, you get the sense that John, the author, sort of has a slight Hayek bent or like it was clear that he had like a high, he was on like on Hayek side a little bit. I wish I knew. We, we think. So in these sort of like meet and greet photo sessions, like I as being Hayek, like I was kind of the hero and like Billy as Keynes, he was kind of like the heel. Right. So they like a lot of these photos would be like, I think one guy kissed me on my face. Sure. Why not? Kissed me right on my head. That is totally within the realm of possibilities when talking about what you and I experienced as Keynes and Hayek. Children hugged Donald Duck's leg and this grown ass man kissed me on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was completely, completely hysterical. What a fabulous chapter of our weird lives. So we'll keep the door open that my second trip to Vegas may be <laughs> with fake mustaches. Absolutely. But my first one is for a bachelor party. Uh, which is perfect. I mean, like, that's what Vegas is for. I've had to say no when my friends were doing a dance show for whatever reason. You right. guys went to Summer League last year to see the NBA players with, like, young Porzingis and D'Angelo Russell. And I had to say no for some, for some reason on that trip. Mm-hmm. This feels like the most appropriate reason for Billy Scafiri to go to Vegas. Yeah, Not only is it a bachelor party, this is a bachelor party for the biggest gorilla I know. <laughs> Someone who, One of the best dudes we've ever know, will ever know. 100 million percent. I mean, I, I, he, I have to say his name because he's my best and first friend. His name's Steve Corvetti. Love you, Steve. He was supposed to have his bachelor party in Puerto Rico, Zika. The Zika virus. We got zika Can't get small heads. So we had to do a quick 90-degree turn and find a new city. And this is what I was told, that there was a small roundtable discussion. They needed to pick a new city and fast. <laughs> they had a week to decide. And they decided what cities couldn't handle them. <laughs> <laughs> and they literally wrote down all the major cities. And Savannah got crossed off. Savannah, can't Georgia. handle us. Can't handle. Charleston. Can't handle us. Florida Keys can't handle us. The, all of the keys. <laughs> New Orleans and Vegas can handle us. They're maybe the only cities that can. So this feels like these guys are going to, and once I join them, I am them. The Long Island Billy comes back. This guy, this Billy would never want to show up in a hotel with two thirty packs in either hand. Not sensitive podcast Billy. But, ex- but sensitive podcast Billy stays in L.A., and Long Island Billy does 120 through Death Valley <laughs> with beer in the trunk. This is the best, dude. You're going to have such a freaking good time. Right. Oh, my God. There's I mean, already and- a cabana set. Apparently, we have the four-bedroom place that has the pool table in the room. Yes. I think it's just going to be a lot of T-shirts everywhere. Sounds good. It's just going to feel wet. You know, that just like bachelor party, gross, but everything's great vibe. If I know you and if I know Steve, and I do— uh, I think that um, thing shirts will be ripped off of chests. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe uh, other things will probably be uh, ripped. I know Steve likes ripping things. For a little context, one time Steve chased our friend Tim out of the living room, and within 
10 seconds, this is not a joke, Steve came back holding one of Tim's pants, pant legs, and these were jeans. He ripped them off with one hand and came back with a steak knife and hammered the jeans into the wall with a steak knife just to let everyone know in the room okay. he's not to be messed with right this now. This is my territory. Okay. And I know that it sounds like braggadocio for Billy to be like, and like these cities can't handle us. But the thing is – Right. The thing is about Steve and like your sort of the like gang. This, this gang is that that's that's that is the case. Some places are not equipped to handle them. That and is safety first. Yeah. It sounds like a total alpha dude thing. No, it's consideration for the city. That's that is totally one hundred percent true. <laughs> I received so in Los Angeles, I'm one of our biggest friends. And that doesn't mean that I'm a big, big guy, but we are not we're average people. We're asthma dorks. We're comedians. I'm 6'1", 184 pounds. This bachelor party, I'm going to be the smallest one by 3 inches and 40 pounds. Yes. Yeah, so Baseline, 6'4", 220. It's a whole different scale of human being that's right. going on this trip. Yeah, this is not sensitive podcast crowd. This is like... I mean, to me, Steve could, and again, I'm guessing here, but it feels like Steve could drink a 24-pack of beer and be un, fully unfazed. We've done that together. Yeah. yeah. That's late high school. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is a poker player? Steve is a poker oh, player. Oh, boy. Steve is an everything guy. Yeah. In that environment, yes. The answer is yes. Yes. You are going to Vegas. Yes. For the similar, similarly destructive reasons. You and your parents are going to get blacked out drunk. And We're going to tear shit out. Like, the Keys can't handle us. New Orleans can't handle yeah. us. Only. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the biggest underpants? We're going there. Exactly. Our bedtime's nine thirty. What city's most conducive to that? <laughs> um, we're going. <laughs> we're going to the Pac-12 basketball tournament, hey. which is like a very kind of like un-Vegas reason to go to Vegas. But my parents are very un-Vegas type people. Yeah. Um, but that should be fun, and we're going to stay at the Mandalay Bay, so we're going to have a touch of the Vegas experience. Definitely going to hit the Bellagio buffet, which I highly recommend. What does one get at the Bellagio buffet? Do you take multiple steaks if you want multiple steaks, brother? You take whatever you dang well please. Right. You're there and it's like all the food and so much of it. Yeah. And again, like you're like, yeah, that's a buffet. And it is, but like again, it's a Vegas scale buffet. Right. So it's like just like a normal place would have a chandelier and a Vegas place has eighty five thousand chandeliers. Mm -hmm. A normal place would have one version of a ribeye. And so on. Exactly. What I kind of wanted to briefly discuss, and I know this is like sort of a, a bit of a hypothetical left turn, but one of the things that I like about Vegas and that I sort of – one of the, the – part of the mystique of Vegas that I've always liked is – comes from the Ocean's Eleven movie, uh, the notion of trying to knock off and heist one of these casinos. Hustle Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Like the people that can get one over – because Vegas is such a manipulative, filthy – shamelessly capitalistic and exploitative place. Right. I like the stories of the guys or gals that go to Vegas and game them. Yes. Like those MIT kids that like rigged the system and wrote that yes. book about it. Like that to me is so great. And that's like, those are my Vegas heroes. So in the structure of the podcast, what we like to do in the third act is to uh, kind of fast forward to the future. How would you knock off Vegas? And it doesn't need to be a $40 million heist. Yeah. But how would you feel like you got one over on Vegas. This would be a great idea. I mean, every time I go to the buffet, I do feel like I'm getting double my money's worth. So and that's, that's one real. <laughs> that's real. That's one small way. That's one way. One small way is to really load up on the buffet to be like, you thought that you were like overcharging me, but I'm overeating your overcharge. And you should eat all of their proteins. Leave the carbs. They're cheap. Any wheat-based food, that's not costing them anything. Ditch the wheat, folks. Eat all of their protein. Eat anything that seems expensive. That's one way of beating to Vegas. To game Vegas, yeah. Okay. From a gambling perspective, I 
I mean, you know, we all have seen Rain Man. He brought Dustin Hoffman there to count cards. Maybe if I had sort of like a friend that who could do that, who, I mean, you're pretty good and really, I'm not saying that you're a card counter, but you are very good at mental math. Right. You ha- your brain kind of works quick in that way, like in a math type way. Right. So I would say that you'd be one of my more card counting inclined friends. That would, I appreciate that. Thank definitely. You. Not that you know how to, I know that that's like its own skill though, right? That's like right. a thing that you hone and practice. Well, there's a system behind it where I think there's like, a, you either get a plus or a minus for each card. And uh. once it starts to shake out, it's a, it's very simplified once there's this, once you understand the system. Yes. Um, but it's in that it's in that MIT book. That's kind of the system that they use with like yeah. plus minus and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But you're thinking like really traditional. Like I really appreciate the buffet way of beating Vegas because yeah. you really can exactly. in some ways. Because you can like make your money back in a way or right. something <laughs> through the ribeye. Right. I mean, people I imagine are drunk and chaotic and at their most just crazed. Yes. Which means that they have money in their hands and a drink in the other hand. Is there a slightly less guilt factor of just trailing drunk maniacs and stealing their money? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, honestly, Billy, I think that is the casino's slogan. Yes. Come here, drunk maniacs. We're going to steal your money. I mean, I think that's what a casino is. And it's a place we where drunk- keep going back. We keep going back. It's too fun. It's it like as fun. if you knew one of your friends robs you every time they come over. Like, hey, I'm going to be in town for a weekend. Do you mind if I just crash on your couch? And you tell your wife or girlfriend, you know, Ben wants to come over. Let's say Vegas wants to come over. Exactly. But- Last time he stole the TV and $400 from you. Like, should we bring Vegas over? And she would say, he hasn't been over in a while. Let's just give Let's him just a shot. Let's just bring him over. Come on. It'll be different this time. Steal. Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. That is what Vegas is like. Vegas is like a city that is a thief. So that's why I do. Yeah. That's why I love the sort of David and Goliathness of like these little pishers who go to Vegas and like rip these casinos off for all they're worth. I mean, that kind of relates to the poker players too. It's like, God bless you dorks who have like hustled on online poker, like weirdly become like masters of it right. and then go into Vegas into the 3D actual real life poker scape and also succeed. That's right. I love that. I mean, like I, I in, in a way they're not. I mean, those fathletes are kind of my heroes. Thank you. Heroes. Thank you for reincorporating fathlete. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> and thank you for another episode of the No Joke Podcast. What a delight. There is a small chance that your trip to Vegas and my trip to Vegas may overlap. I sure hope and so. And if that's the case, I encourage everyone who's listening to this to follow us at Adam Lustick and at Billy Scafuri to see if we make it. Please do. We're trying to survive out here. Exactly. We're heading out to Vegas. Okay. Wish us luck. So I'm Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustick. That is the No Joke Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast.